Okay, so I've called this morning seminar Building Differently, and you might need to kind of great. Um, you might need to kind of bear with me a wee bit, um, because we've got quite a lot of information um, to get through. Um, but I just wanted to take a short bit of time just talking about the how, talking about the how we hear from God, the different kind of ways that we can hear from God, um, and the why as well and I think that why question is really important and um, it's just that kind of the purpose behind it as well so yes God speaks to us but why and what's the purpose and and I never want to just receive a word from God and then have nothing further and have nothing else that's going on um, at all so I'm going to talk a little bit of that and then later on we'll move into chatting about how we can use that gifting in our own contexts, um, whatever that happens to be, how we can work with others and how we build. Um, So both of these things will change, I think, and they'll change and develop as we grow, um, as we grow and as we mature and as we develop throughout our lifetimes. But it's important, I think, to stop just regardless of whatever stage of that journey that you're on, to stop and consider and ask God the questions, how do you speak to me? How do you speak to me? How do I hear from you? And what new way do you have for me to hear from you? Because I think that God, he develops that gifting as well. So he'll have something new for you as well. And and I'll discover a new way that God wants to speak to me that maybe he didn't speak to me in that way before. And it might just be for a season. It might just be for a time. But it's important to just be open to that and to be aware of it. So we hear from God because he loves us. We are children of God, um, so we can hear from our Father. And I think most of us in this room, to whatever degree, would have the experience of hearing from the Father just readily, just for ourselves even. Um, and I think that God really wants to bring refinement to that as we seek him. So we need to know ourselves, um, and, and we need to be true to ourselves as well. And I've always loved the Dr. Zeus quote. Um, I think it's going to come up there. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive that is youer than you. Um, some great rhyming there and some few made up words as well. Um, but I just, I love that. You know, you are, and I think it applies, it's a little bit silly, but it applies to our giftings as well. You know, we are ourselves. It's us. It's us as well. Um, so it, the way that we are has a bearing on our gifting as well and the way that that works out. Um, so I'm just going to detail some of the different kinds of prophetic giftings um, that that are um, around and and the way that they can work out in us Um, and I just really encourage you as we go through this stuff just to listen to the prompt um, of the Holy Spirit as well Um, so don't listen with ears of comparison um, that say well I know five different people that hear like that so why don't I hear like that or um, maybe I'm not good enough Um, because there's a great quote by Theodore Roosevelt which is constantly quoted and you'll have definitely heard it before and it says comparison is a thief of joy and I think that's an incredible I mean it's people say it all the time but it is so true it really really is Um, and I want you to discover that joy and that freedom the freedom of knowing how it is you hear from God Um, and some of you might be here together, maybe you two, you two know each other, so you can maybe be giving each other a wee nudge whenever something comes up that you say, yep, that's you, you know, you need to pay attention. Um, so do encourage each other in that as well. And, and if you're hearing something that's, that's for a friend, maybe who's not here, do, you know, re- remember it and go home and tell them, you know, I was listening to this today and, and I just thought of you and that's how you hear from God and I think that's wonderful and encourage them in that. But leave that comparison out there because... There's no room for it in here, and um, we don't want it. 
So we won't all fit perfectly into one of these descriptions and um, we might find ourselves in several. I find myself in several of them and you probably will as well. Um, but do listen to that prompt of the Holy Spirit. What direction are you taking my gifting in in this season? So that all sound good? Are we happy? Great. Hello? Hello? Come on in. Yes, absolutely. I'm actually going to... I'm just going to sit down here because... Yeah, just get comfortable, you know? Great. What's your name? Lorraine. Lorraine. I'm Naomi. Hi, Naomi. That's great. So we just, I just did a wee quick introduction. We're just going to take it through and um, chat about some different kinds of prophetic voices that we have and the different ways that that work out. But do grab a chair and get yourself, get yourself comfy. Can I get you to your coffee? I'll just get one. Is it up there? I don't Sure, I can go. Yeah, I can get it. Somewhere. I need to put my chair in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to. There we go. Great. I'll just wait until the rain comes back. So it's that. Um, how does that all sound? Does that sound like something that would be mm-hmm. good good to go through? <coughs> yeah. Yeah. And what kind of context are you serving in at the minute, or? Um, is it just kind of just something that you're just exploring very, very at the very beginning? Um, I know that Julie, you've you've been through a wee bit. You've you've kind of had some of that training already. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I suppose that the church. I mean, quite, most people are kind of quite traditional and not that aware of this yeah. type of thing. So yeah, just try to kind of yeah take that forward. Yeah. I and it's good as well to know your gifting in that. I think there's real value in knowing your gifting as well so that it goes beyond the kind of like, yes, I'm prophetic. Yes, I have a prophetic gifting to actually be able to say, yeah, this is how God speaks to me. This is how I hear from him. So whenever I'm listening for someone um, or for a friend or for my church, that I know I know where I'm going with it. You know, I don't think God wants us to be in the dark about our giftings at all. Okay, um, I'm going to read from Ephesians 4. Um, which is one of those passages that we talk about a lot whenever we um, talk about giftings. But let me just read that first for us. This is Ephesians 4. I think it should come up there. Um, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint 
with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body group so that it builds itself up in love. And that's the purpose of the prophetic, isn't it? To build. That's what we're talking about um, this, this weekend, if you hadn't guessed. Um, you know, we're talking about building and building our gifting. And that's, as, as prophetic people, that's our purpose. We are to build up the body. Whether it's on a small scale or a bigger scale, doesn't matter. We're to build up the body. And we are all working together for that, um, for the unity of the body, so that the kingdom will come. So I'm just going to rattle through some different ways that the prophetic works itself out. So um, bear with me. If you have a notebook, you might want to take some notes. Um, if you have a very good memory, then just utilize that now. Um, and I'm happy to chat through this stuff as well over coffee or over lunch. Or if you want to just say, you said something, but I just can't remember what it was. Just come and chat. So the first one I'm going to start with is the intercessory prophet. So someone who has an intercessory prophetic gifting will have that deep-seated burden to pray and probably a love of prayer as well you know they're the kind of people that prayer will be their first port of call um, that will be the that will be the road they go down and prayer for you maybe that's the way that you connect with God and when you pray when you come into that place of prayer that's when you hear from him um, intercessors we know they embrace the long term so they're in for the long haul they know how to tarry they know how to wait on the Lord and how to watch and pray. It says that in scripture, to watch and pray. And intercessors, they really know that. They know how to watch and pray. Um, and this gifting is so important in the prophetic because an intercessory prophetic person will bring guidance. They'll bring greater clarity and direction. And often they'll have the gift of faith. The gift of faith because it takes a very strong spirit to endure in prayer before God when nothing externally seems to be changing. And I think we probably all have um, experience of that, of having to endure in prayer before the Lord when nothing seems to be happening at all. So maybe you find yourself as part of an intercession team or part of a prayer team, either at your church or maybe at clan or something similar. Um, or maybe it's just with a friend or with your spouse or with someone, you know, just a pal that you're going to church with. Or maybe it's on your own. Um, that doesn't matter. The context doesn't matter so much as the obedience does. So whatever the context is, you own that, because that's, that's what God has given you for now. Whatever that is, you own that um, and walk in obedience. So no one embraced being a prophetic intercessor. In the Bible, in Luke 2, we read about Anna, who's a bit of a hero of mine. Um, we are told that she is a widow and a prophetess um, who never left the temple. She was serving night and day with fastings and with prayer for many, many years. She was widowed at a young age and then she gave herself to the service of the Lord. And we don't actually have any of her prophecies recorded, which is a shame because I'm sure they were probably great. But um, the Bible still says she was a prophetess. So we don't know what she said, but we know that that was her calling um, and that she interceded as well. And she stayed in the temple and she, um, she prayed and she fasted. She was devoted. She was faithful. She was a prophetic intercessor, absolutely. So, prophetic intercessor. Um, 
Number two, sometimes our gifting can work itself out in quite a demonstrative way. Um, so perhaps you maybe often feel called to be active or to, to do something, um, not just say something. So some people are called to just give the word. Some people are called to actually put it into action and, 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 and do something with it. And maybe as God speaks to you, you are motivated to take action or to prompt others to take action as well. And we might call the strand of gifting that of a signs prophet. So Elijah was a signs prophet. Um, from 1 Kings 17 onwards, we, we learn about Elijah. And let's just think of that narrative for a second. So we read about the jar of flour and the jug of oil. I'm sure that you're all familiar with that story about the widow who the jar of flour and the jug of oil was almost about to run out. Um, and Elijah said to her, will you make me um, some bread? Will you make me something to eat? Um, and she said, well, no, because I'm just about to make a last meal for me and my son. Because once we have this, then we're going to have to just wait on death because we're, we don't have anything more. Um, but Elijah responded um, with a prophetic word um, from the Lord about the, the jug of flour and the jar of oil, um, that they would not run out if this woman was faithful in responding and in giving. Um, and it was that sign. They didn't. They didn't run out. You know, We see that tangible sign of God's faithfulness that began with a word from his heart. On another occasion, um, Elijah was a bit mad really, on another occasion he laid himself out on a widow's son in order to raise him from the dead. Now, I'm not suggesting that we start doing that, but that's what happened, it's in the Bible. Um, so her son had died, this was another widow, um, her son had died but Elijah knew a healing God um, and so as a prophetic sign of what he wanted to see happen, he laid himself on top of the boy and asked God to act. A sign, it was a very physical sign. So for Elijah, it wasn't just about words. It wasn't just about words, it was about action as well. And it seemed like quite a natural thing for him. It seemed like a natural reaction that he was always moved to that action. Not always, but um, quite a lot he was. Um, and those stories are quite grand, so I would not blame you if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't have any intention of laying myself out on any widow's sons today. Thanks very much, you know? But actually, I just want to tell you a very simple story from my own life. So. God often prompts me in this way, and that's something I've been learning and something I've been growing in. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's as simple as just going and standing in a particular place in church. So, you know, I feel led to maybe go and stand beside a particular person or just go and claim some ground. You know, if, if I sense there's something weird going on, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to go and stand there, you know, and, and it's that sign. Um, that physical sign and sometimes it's something bigger so I'm learning to answer God's call to move beyond words and into action of sorts to see his word come to fruit because that's where he's calling me to um, and it's rooted in obedience so I, I have to do it because God has said it um, and the story I want to share with you is about bread so I love baking um, it's just a fun fact for you really you know there you go um, but God knows that I love baking as well so he knows that that's something that he's put in me um, and he knows that I love baking bread. And a couple of years ago, um, the way that God asked me to respond to a prophetic word that he had given me was by making some sourdough bread. So at that, at that particular time, I'd actually developed an intolerance to bread. So I, it was making me sick. I was allergic to it. I, I'd gone gluten-free. I'd done all that stuff. And I'd gone to the doctor and, and all of these things. Um, but I had a sense that God wanted to heal me. Um, and he'd spoken that over me as part of a promise. Um, and part of that was... The fulfillment of that, that word was active. So he was asking me to go and bake some bread, to go and bake some sourdough bread, to go through the process. Now, sourdough bread is quite 
a long lengthy process to make so you have to make a starter which is like a yeast um, that you grow yourself and then you use that in your bread so it takes about I mean it can take about 10 days or something to eventually finally get a loaf of bread um, but it was an incredibly prophetic process and I was just responding in obedience to God and I went through the whole process which is actually quite long and at the end I was healed so God healed me and I've been eating bread ever since in abundance I love bread um, and I went to France after I was healed as well and I just ate croissants just all day long it was great um, so I'm telling you this night and I am so thankful that I get the opportunity to share this and I share this quite a lot so I like telling that story um, because I think there's um, real importance in that testimony but while I was doing it no one else saw me apart from maybe my flatmate um, who was your daughter who probably thought I was a bit mad you know just like there she goes again what's she doing now you know but so it was that moment of like what am I doing you know and you have and it's late at night and you have that moment where you're thinking are you really gonna I mean do you see this here I am trying to make this starter trying to do this because I'm, I'm, I think that you've asked I think that you've, you've asked me to do this um, it's that, that moment of faithfulness and just really, really going through that. And when I told my brother about it, he thought I was crazy as well. Um, so it was seemingly small, you know, seemingly small, a bit mad. Is this really going to work? Um, but, you know, it wasn't small to God. Because obedience is never a small gesture in God's eyes. And if you hear anything, hear that today. Obedience in whatever situation you find yourself in is never a small gesture. Even if the gesture itself seems small, obedience is never small in the eyes of God. So, God promises prophetic people to pray with depth, and he moves some to very obvious action. And for others, it can be about what you see. So we use the word seer for that. And sometimes I think we can let words like that trip off our tongue without really knowing what we're talking about. Um, or, on the other hand, we can stay as far away from it as possible because it makes us nervous and we don't get it. And no one's really explained it to us before. And I do not claim to be an expert on this. Um, but I, I hope I can give a little bit of insight. Um, and just kind of debunk it a little bit. Um, so a seer is someone who sees in the spirit. And this can be something as simple as a picture while you're praying um, or, or listening to God. Or maybe you'll have a dream from God. Or it could be a vision. Something that's actually in the natural that you can, you can see. Um, maybe you've seen an angel. Something like that. So that's that's what a seer will tend to operate in. So something simple, like a picture when you're praying, um, that's just in your mind's eye, or something very physical um, that you think is standing right in front of you. And not every prophet will have this gifting. So not every prophetically gifted person will have the gift of being a seer. Um, and let's just take a minute to say that that is okay. You know, that is okay. However, some will, to varying degrees, and working in different ways and I think it's important to just ask those that why question so for those who receive something in this way why am I seeing what I'm seeing why am I dreaming what I'm dreaming again I said it last night that God does not give a prophetic gifting into a void he doesn't just dump it on us and say well there you go all the best you know he has a plan for our gifting just as he has a plan for our life we trust God with the plan for our life so let's trust him with the plan for our gifting as well, because that's part of us. Um, Zechariah in the Bible, he was a seer prophet. Um, if you read it, the first six chap chap chapters of Zechariah, it's just vision after vision after vision after vision after vision. And that's, that's just the way it worked for him, you know? Um, so we have that example in the Bible. But Zechariah, he was wise in his gifting. 
and he really trusted God for the interpretation. He asks every single time, every single time, what are those? Where are you going? What are they doing? What are they going to do now? He asks those very simple questions um, in the Bible. He asks those very simple questions um, to the Father because he's not pretending to understand and he's not expecting himself to understand from the vision alone. You know, he was an appointed prophet of the Lord and still he's saying to God, what are you doing? You know, where are you going? You've shown me this, but what does it mean? He's still asking those questions. So, you know, I think we can take hope from that. If he had to do it, then we have to do it as well. Um, so maybe you're recognizing yourself here. You might be saying, yeah, that's me. Um, and I think that maybe this is God's prompt to take a moment to recognize that strand of gifting within you and then to honor it by asking those why questions, trusting in God as well, that if he gave you that dream, if he gave you that vision, if he gave you that picture, that he will also give you the interpretation because he doesn't want his children to be in the dark. He's not a deceitful God. The enemy is deceitful, but our father is not deceitful and he does not wish his children to be in the dark. So there's a particular type of prophetic gifting that I, I really sense the Lord is bringing to prominence in this kind of current climate that we find ourselves in. And that's that of the, the social justice prophet. Okay, now you're doing well. Let's keep it, let's keep, let's keep with it. We're going okay. If you need to go and get an emergency mince pie, please feel free. Um, so social justice prophet. This is a feat to our faith kind of gifting. Yeah. Um, this is one that declares out our responsibilities towards those who are in need according to what God is saying. And someone with this type of gifting will be speaking God's truth over situations, moving the believers to action. And sometimes on a grander scale, moving governments to action moving leaders, world leaders, to action. And this world needs those prophetic social justice prophets, don't they? We really need them. Um, and I think that God has gifted some particularly in this manner, whose hearts are moved and whose spirits are often stirred in this direction. So in the Bible, um, Amos was this kind of prophet. Amos is quite a short book, so you can probably read it in one sitting, but um, he was actually a farmer. I love that quite a lot of prophets were like, they were farmers. They just, I don't know why that is. You know, I'm from the country, so maybe, maybe I find some kind of like affinity with that or something. But you know, they were just farmers called called by God, and then they answered the call to be a prophet. Um, so Amos was one of these, and, and he declared out God's truth, and you'll recognise this: the truth of justice rolling down like a river, and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. And he was declaring that into a time when the very, very rich, the very, very affluent, well-off. Um, people were oppressing and mistreating the very, very poor, the lowest of the low. Um, I think that we can see evidence of that in our day as well. You know, there it is. So let's pray for that righteousness um, that comes like an ever-flowing stream and the justice that rolls down like a river. Amos took up the cause. He did. And, and we, are in a, we are in need of prophetic people who take up the cause. So if your heart is stirred in that way, then maybe that's a way that God is leading you in this season. Okay, got two more. Often God will reveal his prophetic to his prophetic people something which is quite directive, um, so that, that where is next, who is next, where should we go, what is the direction that God's spirit is moving in. And sometimes he prompts to those that he gave that particular word, so the person who received that 
where should we go, what should we do next word. He prompts them to be the ones that actually go and do it as well. Um, and you'll find often that those people, they're okay with it um, because they would class themselves or find themselves within the apostolic. So they'll find themselves as apostolic prophets. Um, and they'll be the ones that are prompted to go and break the new ground, but bring God's truth along with it. You know, we really need these giftings working in tandem with each other. In the Bible, Paul um, was really one to exemplify this. Paul divides a lot of people. Some people love him and some people just get really annoyed by him. Um, so I, but I think the people that love him are probably the apostles. Um, they're just like, yeah, he's great. I love him. Um, so Paul, he had this particular gift of being able to uncover and explain the corporate direction of the church. Um, and you read it in, in his letters as well. Just read some of them. There's The New Testament's chock full of them. They're full of encouragement, but they're also full of directive words, you know, um, telling them what to do. Words from the Father's heart that brought realignment to those new churches, realignment to those new believers that he cared for. So sometimes this is very corporate in the truest sense of the word. So um, sometimes you might be doing this to a, a large group of people or over an entire denomination or, or whatever. But actually, I feel that um, with all of these giftings, God asks us to be faithful with whatever he has given us, whatever context he has given us, big or little. So maybe you know, yes, that is me. I think I'm an apostolic um, prophet. I think I have that prompting in my life. But maybe your sphere of influence is small. So maybe it might just be your family, you know? That doesn't make it any less valuable to the father. Obedience, I've said it already, obedience in whatever context is never a small gesture in God's eyes. So if God is prompting you in this way, then I'd encourage you to respond and, and not wait for something bigger and better to come along. But just say, right, what have you put in my hand? What have you given me for the here and now? If you want me to be faithful in that, I'll be faithful in that. We learn about it in the parable of the talents. You know, the master, when he sees them being faithful, he gives them more and he trusts them with more. And I think that God speaks that over us as well. As he sees us being faithful with whatever he has given us, he gives us more. And because he sees that we can be trusted with the, with the small as well as the big. So one more, one more type of gifting and then we'll have a quick little break. Um, so, um, this one, this, this list, right, is by no means exhaustive. You know, I have definitely not covered all the bases. Go away and read about this. That's what I've been doing, you know, in preparing for this. I've been reading all about it. So um, don't take this as an exhaustive list. This is a quick, quick fire round um, on prophetic giftings. Um, the last one that I want to talk about is an evangelistic prophet. Um, one who carries a prophetic gifting alongside and working with a deep desire to share Jesus with people who don't yet know him. And we all know these people. Everyone knows the evangelists, don't they? They stick out like a sore thumb. Um, they just love talking about Jesus. And they generally love talking about him to people that don't know him. What are they like? Um, and how wonderful whenever we see, I love seeing the prophetic and evangelism colliding. Because it's just, I mean, a word of knowledge, an utterance from the heart of God, shared with someone who is far from him just to bring them that bit closer on their journey is so wonderful and the response you get is just incredible it really is when it's when it's right when it's the right moment it's great in scotland only two percent of people would profess to be committed christians two percent it's not very much is it i mean some people will say four percent but that's not really much of an advance is it so that leaves 98 percent of people unchurched 
unconcerned probably, but searching for something anywhere and any way they can. So how much are we in need of the prophetic evangelists who take God's truth to the gathering places, to the, to the individual in our workplace, to the communities that we live in, those people who see with eyes of faith, people who have this gifting, they see with eyes of faith, and then they faithfully speak out what God is saying. And Jesus is our perfect example of this. He's a pretty perfect example for most things, I think. But when we think about the evangelistic prophet, he's really, he hits the nail on the head. So think of that time that he spent with the woman at the well. You'll find that story in John 4. Often Jesus spoke to big crowds, we know that. He was, he was all about the big crowds at times and, and he was all about the, in the huge gathering places and speaking in the temple. But here, in this instance, we see him speaking to the one, to one Samaritan woman. I mean, in that time, how much offense can you get in one sentence? One Samaritan woman from a Jew, you know? A rogue Jew, to be fair, he was on his own way, but you know, um, still, that's, 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 that's huge. But she needed God's truth. She needed that truth. And Jesus spoke that out to her. Seeing with eyes of faith, eyes of faith, he was a prophetic evangelist um, in that in that situation and we see the effect that that had she went back and evangelized her whole village you know so i want to hit pause there for a second and just let you take some time to process that i'm aware that that was a lot of information so thank you for um keeping with me there um so i think we should maybe have some stuff coming up is that another one yeah um so i just want you to take um some time just on your own in kind of self-reflection. We'll take just kind of about five minutes for that. Um, just which of these different strands of gifting do you think God is calling you to? Which one was he highlighting? Or maybe he was highlighting a few and you're thinking, all right, well, which one today? Which one do you want me to focus on today? Um, so maybe take some time just to think back through those again. What was the one that God was highlighting? Um, I'll give you some time and space just to process that and to, to listen to the Father. Um, and then it would be good if you just turn to the person next to you or get into groups of two and three and, and just pray about that together um, just very briefly we won't take too much time we'll kind of take about 10 minutes for that or so um, and we'll just pray for that together does that all sound good yeah happy enough great okay take some time and just listen to the father see what he see what he would say so how we work together how we work with others walking in their prophetic gifting and how we walk with others in the body of Christ as well, so um, that are maybe not walking on the same path of gifting that we're on, but we still have to work with them. Um, so let me just read from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, and um, it'll come up there on the screen as well. Um, let me just read it off that. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were, were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, 
God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it, is another translation. So I think that's pretty challenging stuff. Every time I read a passage like that, I'm always like, yeah, right, okay, that's... That's, you're keep, you keep on saying that, you know, it must be pretty important. And I don't really want to say too much. I just want to talk very briefly. I'm aware that I talked quite a lot um, in that last one. So I don't want to bombard you with too much um, information again. Because um, I think that God's word kind of hits the nail on the head there a bit, as it tends to. Um, I just want to go back to a point that I made briefly early, earlier, that quote by Theodore Roosevelt, um, that comparison is the thief of joy. So we, as the body, working together... We're meant to have joy. We are meant to have joy as we work together. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll always work in complete harmony um, and never come up against any trialing situations um, as we live out our prophetic giftings. Of course not. Wouldn't that be blissful? But that's not going to happen, I'm afraid. You know, I'll shatter your illusion there. Um, But God's intention is that we would enjoy these gifts that come from his hand. In Ecclesiastes 2.24, it says, So I decided there is nothing better than to find satisfaction or enjoyment in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. So that enjoyment of of work, that enjoyment of serving, um, that's that's a pleasure from the hand of God. So these giftings that we have, and of all of, of all of you, um, all of you know, person to your right, person to your left, and they're all good gifts from God's hand, and He wants us to find enjoyment um, and satisfaction and joy in living them out. He actually wants us to enjoy it, you know. Um, and if we look with a spirit of comparison, do you know that we chip away at that joy every single time, every throwaway comment about? how much more of an anointing someone else has whether you know if even if it comes from a place of you know it's not not negativity you're just you're just saying oh, i wish i had what they had i wish i had what they had here i am with the little that i have and every time we make a throwaway comment like that a little bit um of our joy gets stolen away every moment of negative thinking against ourselves or another a little bit of our joy is stolen. And we know from scripture that it is not the work of the Father to steal. He is not the one that steals. That is the work of the enemy. John 10, chapter uh, chapter 10 and verse 10 tells us, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So don't give him a chance. Do not give the enemy of God a chance to steal away your joy take captive every thought let your thinking be transformed let your mind be renewed and reclaim your joy i think we have that we have that within us we have that power to reclaim our joy you know resist the devil and he will flee from you it's all there these are not my words they're the words from the lord you know they're from we find them in scripture so it's all there and they're actually true let's believe that yeah let's claim that Um, So God has put the body together, giving each part a specific purpose and making it so that they work together. Um, And as that's true in our actual bodies, thank goodness, 
um, it is true also in the body of Christ. So as we discovered earlier, different strands can work together within the prophetic. You can have people who marry evangelism and the prophetic together. You can have um, the prophetic working with the apostolic. You can have intercession and prophecy working together. And as much as we need to work these things together within our gifting, we also need to be aware of how they, how they work and how they build together um, with others in the body. So how do we build with the teachers? How do we build with the shepherds? And I think that grace is really the key to this. We need a lot of grace for each other. We really do. And there's something as well about putting someone else before yourself as well. Thinking before you start getting annoyed or before you come to that point of maybe feeling bad about yourself, well, how is this person gifted? What do I know about them already? And what does this mean then for how I can work with them? Just that simple moment of consideration. A very practical example of this that I can explain from within my own work. So I'm an introvert, and proudly so. I love being an introvert. Um, but I work with a lot of extroverts, which can be quite frustrating. It can be very challenging. Um, and I don't respond graciously all the time to that. But I'm learning to try to, because I know that what we're working towards is good. We just kind of get there a different way sometimes and, and it, it works out in a different way. Um, so instead of living in comparison with them or letting annoyance be my first port of call, um, I, I try and think about the other person. I get to know the people I'm working with, the people that I'm working with <coughs> in, in, in ministry and, and out with ministry as well. How are they gifted? How has God made them? What's their default reaction? What are they going to do? What's their default reaction? And how does that differ from mine? So if we're going in the same direction, we'll probably go a different way. But do I know what they're going to do? And, and how do I respond to that? And then I remind myself who I am in Jesus, that I am greatly loved, that I am called, I am justified, I am glorified in Jesus. And so are they. And so are you. So that's just a simple example. But I just, I just wonder who God is calling you to work with in this season. Because we're not always called to do this stuff on our own. Um, I think rarely we're called to do this stuff on our own. To some extent, we're always asked to do it with another person. Um, I and mean, we just have to look at Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to realize that we're meant to work together. Mm. Um, so as you explore this gifting, I wonder if, if maybe God is just prompting you. It might be very obvious, or it might be completely unexpected. Um, who are they, and how is God calling you to work with them? Um, you might know them, you might not. Um, you, might, you might be friends with them, you might not. Um, but how can your giftings complement each other? Who is God calling you to work with? So this is, of course, applicable in a focused ministry situation. Um, but it's just as important in our families. It's just as important in our friendship groups. God is building up his body in all different facets, in all different contexts. And he's getting his people to work together in unity for his kingdom purposes. And we pray that all the time, don't we? Your kingdom come, your will be done. So let's pray it in, in this way as well. So that is all I have to say. Um, and I'd love you just um, to take some time and, and have a little think. We've got just over 15 minutes um, before we get to go and have some tea and coffee. Um, and hopefully that this will come through in a bit as well. But I'd love you just to take this last, this last little bit of time and think on these few questions and then maybe get back into those groups that you were in again um, and just pray for one another as well and I'll, I'll draw us back again and just pray to finish but where can you find joy in your gifting where is God pointing you towards joy in your gifting 
in this season? What does joy look like for you in your gifting? Where have you given into comparison? Where do you need to come to the Father in repentance for that and ask him to help you let go of it as well? Where have you given in to that comparison and let your joy be stolen a little bit? And then finally, who can you work with? And you might, I mean, I would be very impressed if you were able to answer all these three questions, um, you know, five minutes each on each question um, before, before you go. Take them away with you. Have a think as well, you know. God might prompt you when you go to church tomorrow, he might prompt you and say, that's who it is. There it is. Go and have a chat, you know. But just start to think like that. As I explore my gifting, who are you asking me to work with? It might be your husband. It might be your sister, you know, um, or it might be someone that, that you don't really know that well as well. Just be open to whatever God is prompting you with. Does that all sound okay as I don't get any questions before we, before we go?